Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, welcome to me. Uh, I'm trying to not have my wife preaching last week. It's a saying she came up with. Um, I'm one of the leaders here at the Vineyard, and I'm really happy to be with you this morning. Uh, I just want to start off by saying I've been here three years, and that was Aaron's best joke by far. That was a, the last and found joke. <laughs> my gosh, that was top tier, like my word. Did not see that coming. Loved it, savoring it, going to use it and steal it. Um, all right. Uh, but if you've been visiting us, uh, if you're new with us, or if you've been visiting us for a little while now, um, I just want to recognize you. I'm just... Why don't you just stand up? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just, what do you think? I'm unself-aware or something. Um, I used to go to church 20 years ago, and that used to be a thing. I don't know if you've, if that, you've ever been to church and, uh, and been part of that, and it was like the most excruciating experience of my life. Um, but if you have been visiting us and have questions about our church, um, Aaron mentioned that Marshall is on a sabbatical, three-month sabbatical right now. And so if you have been having questions about the church or anything, please come and find me after the service or find one of the leaders wearing a lanyard. Um, we would be happy to talk through anything that you're, you have questions about. Or if you're an extrovert and you have no issue inserting yourself in any situation, just ask anyone, and that'll be just as good. Um, but this morning I want to... Um, continue in our empowerment series that we've been on uh, this past month. And it's really based on this idea that is really at the heart of uh, who we are as a church and what we believe um, as a movement, and that's that everyone gets to play. Everyone is able to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and play in God's kingdom. Last week, Irene spoke on prophecy and just smashed it. Um, today, we're looking at the phrase that is at the core of who we are as a vineyard movement. Uh, the phrase is, come Holy Spirit. Um, now, I just want to say, I'm not going to preach for too long today, because I would love for us to spend some time after my sermon just singing a worship song where we can just create space where we can welcome the Spirit and we can just welcome the Spirit to minister to us and just meet with us this morning. But the reason this prayer, and it is a prayer, it's not just a saying, it's not just a phrase, it's an actual prayer, is so integral to who we are is because of this man that is named Lonnie Frisbee. Um, some of you may know him. Have any of you seen the new Jesus Revolution movie? Okay, so like half the room. Okay, so... Half of you know who I'm talking about. Well, Lonnie was a, a hippie in the 70s, living in Southern California. He had an encounter with Jesus and was radically changed. And he started going around and talking to churches and preaching. And, you know, word got out about this guy. And then one day God spoke to this other man named John Wimber. And um, God told Wimber that he needed to invite this guy, Lonnie Frisbee to his church to preach that evening. Now, John didn't really know Lonnie at all, but he wanted to obey God, so he said, okay, God, I'm going to invite this guy. And the, score, the story is quite famous in vineyard circles, at least, where it goes that Wimber was really reluctant to um, 
really let him speak. So worship was like an hour long. And uh, then it was time for announcements, and they made all the announcements for the rest of the year. And they just were doing everything to fill up time, and then eventually it got to the time, and John eventually said, okay, well, you know, here we go. And uh, invited Lonnie up, and uh, Lonnie did great. He, he was so personable, had great stories, shared his testimony, good theology. John was really relaxed and whatever. And, and then uh, near the end, um, Lonnie says, said this line, and he said that the church had been offending the Holy Spirit for too long, and he wants to come again. And at that point, he said, Holy Spirit, come. And the rest is history. Uh, the next thing, people are falling all over the place in this gymnasium, right? Uh, they were falling, people were speaking in tongues, people were being healed. There was a bunch of people shaking on the floor. Um, and at this time in the vineyard movement, there was only a couple of vineyard churches. John was the leader of the, the vineyard at that time, but they really hadn't experienced anything like this before. And so they really didn't know what was going on. It's not like now, like there's a bunch of trained people that can like pass the people through it and like, it's okay, everybody, this is normal, this is happening, whatever. There was just a bunch of really scared people in the room and they were just freaking out. There were some people running towards the exit, trying to get out as quickly as they can. One guy fell next to a microphone and was just speaking in tongues into a microphone into the whole auditorium. Uh, John had no idea what to do, and, um, and it caused him a little bit of like uh, chaos in his life. Um, right after this event, he spent the next days and months just trying to research like where is going blah, 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 in the Bible. And... Um, <laughs> And he was really struggling and, he, and with church history and it just took him down this path where he was trying to figure out where is this phrase, come Holy Spirit, and what, why does it do this? Um, by the way, that, that event happened on Mother's Day and so it's sort of become this name, nicknamed the Mother's Day Massacre, probably not the best name, but <laughs> that's what it's come to know um, in vineyard circles. But... It's widely known in the vineyard movement that that was not the birthing of the movement, but the catalyst of the vineyard movement. Because from there, it just unleashed this whirlwind of ministry where people were coming um, to be saved in the thousands at that time, during that time. And it quickly spread all over the world. I'm from South Africa. I attended a vineyard church and growing up in South Africa, there's two and a half thousand vineyard churches all around the world. And it was because of a few hours of the Holy Spirit coming to a few hundred people in Southern California. Over the next decade or two, John Wimber and his team would travel around the world, not planting vineyard churches, but actually equipping existing churches across denominational lines. He went to Baptists, Catholics, Orthodox, Anglicans. There's a big vineyard movement in England because he went to the Anglican church in, in, in England. He didn't go there to start vineyard churches. He just went there to equip and bless the church. And now, What's really important to note is that Lonnie, when he said this phrase, come Holy Spirit, he didn't come up with that phrase. Um, some people might think that the phrase originated with the Vineyard Movement, but it actually didn't. Uh, Steve Nicholson, the, 
uh, pastor in the vineyard who was there during this time said this. He said, Come Holy Spirit did not originate with John Wimber. We're merely the latest generation to embrace it. It has its roots back in its earliest prayers of the church father, church fathers and mothers, the first generation after the apostles to carry the flame of the gospel forward. And Steve is right. We have found multiple examples throughout the last centuries. Um, going back as early 200s, there's this early theologian, gosh, Hippolytus. We'll just go with Hippolytus. Okay. Um, wrote an invocation of the Holy Spirit that says, and we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. In the 800s, a Frankish monk, Rabinus Morris, wrote a song called Veni Creator Spiritus. Or come, create a spirit. The prayer begins, come, Holy Spirit, creator, come. And in the 1200s, the prayer, come, Holy Spirit, or veni sancte spiritus, took on, the flesh, uh, took on flesh life and became a common prayer in the Western church. This historic prayer begins with the powerful words, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle them in the fire of thy love. Gosh, it's beautiful. Orthodox Catholic Protestant churches for centuries, although maybe not at the prevalence at the forefront of the church all the time, but it's been part of the church for 2,000 years. And of course, this phrase stems from the Holy Spirit descending on the apostles in the upper room, and it goes even further back to Jesus and his ministry. We'll start with um, the apostles first. And this is a famous passage. I'm sure you know it. But I think it's just good to read it and see what was happening. But in Acts 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. We'll see that over and over again, this idea of the Holy Spirit coming and empowering and giving the ability to the believers in the room. We are people of the Holy Spirit. We are people of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is no longer with us. Jesus entrusted the Spirit to us. We are in the age, and that's such a tricky word, but we are, we're in the age of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this about the Spirit in John 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I don't know about you, but I have been fascinated with Jesus' life after his resurrection. Because for me, that's probably the most interesting time of his ministry. The dude that was just betrayed by his friends that were closest for him, 
And then going through the experience where he feels like he's been abandoned by the father when he needs him the most. He's gone through hell. Literally, there's scriptures alluding to the fact that he descended into hell. And there it says in Peter, in 1 Peter, it says that he was preaching to the spirits in prison during this time. Right? Then he comes back and is full of joy. And you're like, what? He's even got some humor. He decides to join two guys on the road to Emmaus. These two, these two guys are, uh, are walking with Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus to Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus, and Jesus is acting dumb. He's like, oh, really? Huh, interesting. Tell me more about this guy. And I can't imagine how much fun he was having with them. He must have just been loving every second of it. He has, hear me up, he has the audacity, he has the audacity to first tell women that he is risen. Hear me out. <laughs> Women's testimonies were not taken into account back then. No one, if a woman came with a, a testimony about what would happen, they wouldn't believe her, they would believe the man or the husband, and they weren't reliable, right? Jesus decides to tell women the most important news in the world first and says, go tell others. He knew the context. He knew what he was doing. We're told that dead people got out of their tombs and strolled back into the city. What? Have you read that passage or do you just ignore it like a lot of people because you don't know what to do with it, right? You've probably read that passage and you're like, that's weird. We'll just go on, right? What? What is that about? And like we, we don't hear about it ever again. It's just there, but it's in the Bible. And you're like, you almost wish it wasn't in there because it just, it doesn't make sense. But people rose out of their graves and walked back into the city. Can you imagine the relatives and friends' faces when they see their loved ones back from the dead as if nothing happened? I would love to have known how many strokes and heart attacks happened that day. It would have been really interesting. But the real reason why I'm so fascinated with Jesus during this time is that this was the last little bit that he had with his disciples, and he knew it. This is the last little bit where his final words would be spoken to a lot of people, and he knew that it had to count. He's like in overtime in game 12. I don't even know if that's the last game. Is that the last game in, is that, I don't know. Okay, it's like overtime, okay. Imagine you died, right? Or right before you die, you see a glimpse of heaven and you see a glimpse of afterlife. And Jesus says, you've got two minutes to tell everyone what you saw. And you've got to think about everything that you need to tell them that's the most important thing before you die. Sounds a bit depressing now that I'm saying it out loud. But anyways. But what we see when Jesus is with his disciples and with people for the last time, time and time again, he points them to the Holy Spirit. 
He goes, guys, there's the one coming, the Spirit, who will guide you, who will lead you, who will fulfill you, who will empower you, who will equip you and lead you into my presence. He says this, and this is while the disciples, this is in John, and this is while the disciples were hiding from the Jewish leaders. Jesus just appeared to them. By the way, another just like, Jesus just appears now. He can just sort of like go in and out of like space and just like appear places without walking through the front door apparently. But he says this, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And in his last time with the disciples in Acts 1, before he ascends, right, there's also this, this thing where, when Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes down. But in, in Acts 1, he says this, Once when he was eating with them, he, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Holy Spirit is a gift. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the kingdom come for you to set for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom. The disciples are on another planet right now. They're still like expecting this. Jesus is trying to say, no, not there, here. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, uh, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God changes our lives in the best way possible. When we take our first steps out towards following Jesus, we're not committing to a plan. The disciples were wanting a plan. They wanted to know Jesus' plan for when he was going to do it. Jesus doesn't give him a plan. We're not committing to a plan. We're committing ourselves to a person. Jesus points us to the Spirit, and the Spirit points us back to Jesus and his kingdom. The Spirit meets with us, comes upon us, and points us to Jesus, and encourages us in being witnesses in his kingdom. Uh, should I do a side tangent? Uh, okay, we're doing it. Okay, there's a lot of language and talk about kingdom of God theology um, that's come out over the decades, and I'm so happy for it. However, there's some phrases and words that aren't helpful. There's some phrases like releasing the kingdom of God, right? There's some phrases like building the kingdom of God. That's a really popular phrase, right? And I'll tell you why I think that witnesses is what we're being pointed to because we're not here to build God's kingdom. We're here to build God's church. And there's a difference between the church and the kingdom of God, right? What God is, what Jesus is calling us into is to be witnesses to his kingdom. Jesus is in control of his kingdom. We're not. We're just saying we're witnesses to what God is doing in his kingdom. Come and see. Does that make sense? 
That was only a 30-second side tangent, so that was okay. Okay. The Spirit equips us in our walk with Jesus to carry out the life Jesus is calling us into. Like Lane was talking about with prophetic ministry, part of that is that we're receiving words from God so that we can walk out the life He's calling us into. These are... um, He empowers us to take those scary steps, and most often than not, they are scary. Let's be honest. It's not like God says something and you're like, great, let's get on with it, God. Most of the time it's like, I really don't want to do that. He empowers us to do that. And who do they benefit? Well, they do benefit us, yes. But they also are the benefit of others. Because when we take those steps out, It's in service of others. It's so that we can love others well. It's so that we can help people. These are all actions the Spirit is pointing us to. Mike Turgiano, a vineyard pastor in New York, says this. Come Holy Spirit isn't a religious slogan or a doctrine, doctrine we talk and sing about. It's an invitation to a person by whom we're led and cared for, who puts electricity in our faith, and makes our worship an acrobatic letting go and landing a smack dab in God's loving arms. So a warning. Be careful when you pray, come Holy Spirit. It's dangerous to our egos and self-interests. It challenges us to trust God and venture out beyond ourselves and our ability to control in order to take risks for the sake of Christ and others. I want to say just a quick word about this. If you've noticed this whole time, I've never mentioned speaking in tongues. I've never mentioned healing. I've never mentioned rolling on the floor. I've never mentioned crying uncontrollably. I haven't, because that's not the point. The point is not to have um, these things happen. The point is the Holy Spirit coming. Those things might happen, right? They might, and that's totally okay. And that's it. But they're not the end goal. I also just want to take a second to talk about the practical implications of this because I know that there's probably some of us in here that have not had that radical encounter with God where you've rolled on the floor, where you're crying, speaking in tongues, lifted up in the air. I don't know about that. I just... There's some of you here wondering if you've ever had an encounter with the Spirit. And how do I know? What does that look like? And I just want to say this. Our goal is not to have an encounter with the Spirit for the sake of having an encounter with the Spirit. It's not even to have an experience. An experience comes with it. The Spirit comes where He is welcomed. The reason we welcome the Spirit is because we want to be immersed in the life of God and His kingdom. Jesus says, be baptized in the Spirit. Another word for baptism is immersion. Jesus wants us to be immersed in the life of God immersed in his kingdom. Guess what happens when we become immersed in his kingdom? 
God empowers us and equips us to walk out a life devoted to him, bearing fruit wherever we may go. Not just in church, on a Sunday morning, throughout our entire life, outside of this building. Jesus said we would receive his power so that we may be his witnesses. So when we ask the Holy Spirit to come, we are not saying that he is not already here. We are saying, God, we want you to come and rearrange everything as you see fit so that we may be immersed in your Trinitarian life and kingdom. We are saying, God, I am entrusting my life into yours. We are saying, God, we are partnering with you by surrendering to you. Welcoming the Holy Spirit is welcoming God into our house so that he may transform it into his home. Welcoming the Holy Spirit is welcoming God into our house so that he may transform it into his home. Jeez, uh, what are you in? 2020, so uh, 30, over 30 years ago, there was this guy in, in England, he was an atheist, started, he opened up, his, opened up a Bible because his friend gave it to him and he wanted to prove his friend wrong, but then he became a Christian as a result. Um, and started attending a church, church at that time, which was mostly over um, 50 years old, most of the congregants were over 50, he was 21 and he was the youngest person there, but he loved it. And he just loved hearing the word of God. And eventually he became one of the leaders in the, the Church of England. And in 1982, uh, the uh, Anglican Church in England invited this guy named John Wimper over and his team. And um, they came and did a, a Sunday morning um, Sunday morning preaching. And then the next day they did a thing for the leaders on a Monday. And anyway, this guy goes, and he's sitting near the front, and John Wimber and his team are ministering, and John Wimber says, come Holy Spirit. And he says that, and John receives this word from the Holy Spirit that there's 10 people, there's 10 people that are struggling with athletes for This guy was one of them. Nine people put their hands up. He didn't. Um, eventually, he did, and... Um, Someone from the prayer team came over to him and they said, well, would you like prayer for healing for your foot? And he said, no, I'm actually okay, thanks. <laughs> but he was like, you can pray for me anyways. And the person prayed for him. And again, the person welcomed the Holy Spirit. And next thing, boom, just like hit the ground. Like he was making such a racket that they actually had to move him out of the church. Do you realize how much noise and stuff you have to be making to get removed from a vineyard church. <laughs> okay, so obviously he was disturbing a lot of people. But as he was leaving, John said, I th he was like, that person has the gift of evangelism. And then he left. That person's name is Nicky Gumbel. Nicky Gumbel is, uh, had just taken over Alpha at that point, I think, or he was about to. And Alpha had already going, was already going. But Nikki attributes that time as the catalyst for Alpha. 
And um, if for those of you who don't know Alpha, we're actually running Alpha right now. Um, Alpha has been an incredible evangelistic tool and program that churches all over the world have used and has resulted in, th- I don't know, the, I didn't get the stats, I didn't have time, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be close to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people have come to know Jesus because of Alpha at this point. But what happened was Nikki got immersed into the life of God when the prayer, come Holy Spirit, came. Something happened to him, and God started equipping him. And the other thing is that that didn't happen overnight. It took years to walk that out, right? Some people think you have this experience, and then the next day you need to change the world. It doesn't happen like that most of the time. Most of the time something happens, and then it takes years to walk that out, and that's what happened. But that's what happened to Nikki Gumbel because of a simple prayer, come Holy Spirit. Why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. Um, Actually, can I also invite the prayer team just to be standing here, if that's okay? Um, Yeah, well, let's let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. We invite you into your house, God. We want you. We want to be continually immersed in your kingdom and in your life. Um... While I was preparing and as just as everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just had this sense that there's some of you that feel like you're doing something wrong in your walk with God. There, that's the reason why you haven't had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And you might even feel guilty or you might feel like you're a failure or that you know there's something that you're doing wrong. You've seen people get touched by the Holy Spirit, and you haven't. And I I really want you to know this, this morning. I want you to know that God doesn't think you're doing anything wrong. He doesn't think you're a failure. And He wants you to know that He loves you. He wants you to know that you are His daughter, that you are His son, and there's nothing more you need to do. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for you. And so everyone's heads are bowed. If, if that's you and you just feel like, gosh, I've been feeling that way, I just want you to raise your hands just so I can just see who I'm praying for. And if you're here this morning and you're just going, I just want, I want to meet with the Holy Spirit. And you've, you've got a yearning in your heart. I want you to also just raise your hand right now.
invite Brendan and Kara up right now, but I'm just going to pray for you guys real quick. God, Holy Spirit, I ask for you to meet with everyone right now who's raised their hands, and all of us, but everyone who's raised their hands, for people that feel like they're doing something wrong, I just pray that you meet with them. May they know how deeply loved they are by you. And how actually, even though it might not feel like it, that they are so anchored in your kingdom and your love. I just pray that you meet with them in any way that they need right now. Whatever is specific to their circumstance, may you just meet with them in the unique way that they need it. And I'm just going to say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.